Last week on Lore Seekers. Yeah, we're in Malbaltor. Malabaltor. Hmm. I feel like that's directed <laughs> towards me. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> so if you're a DPS and you're not necessarily getting heals as fast as you like, just take a second to understand that you are not the highest priority. Because if the tank dies and the healer dies, it's a wipe every time. So we're going to start with the words of Master Valena Daunton, an Imperial Warrior. What? <laughs> warrior. Eh, I don't know what Dark Brother would say about that. Well, they would probably just slice your throat. Oh, okay. Well. Psst. You, traveler, what do you know of this land? Do you wish to learn of its law? Come, <laughs> rest your weary feet and warm yourself by the fire. Let's share some mead, listen to tales of misadventure, and learn of Tamriel's rich history with the law seekers. <laughs> ah, here they are now. Jibs and cash. Yeah. Campfire cooking? Campfire cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Campfire cooking. Oh, hey, look who it is. Have a seat. Welcome, friend. Back. Welcome. Back again. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and hook him up, you would, my good buddy. We're almost out. Uh, I know. I know. We're at the bottom of the barrel. We are at the bottom of the barrel. Well, uh, so what's been going on? What have you been up to? I have been doing a lot of journaling. Have you? Yes. I know you have, too. Mm hmm And um, I have found my latest... Really fun thing to do in Elder Scrolls Online. The journal part or like something in game? Well, I mean, all of it. You know, just getting to play the game without any, like, I don't feel rushed. Right. I, I'm going through the game with um, my character's particular storyline in mind. So I'm kind of doing just some mild RP, really. Yeah. You know, he's started from scratch and i think he's level 28 wow 29 mm -hmm. something like that and just kind of cruising with him and um you know he's got his own little personal storyline but at the same time he is going through all the content that i can get him through and um so far i've been through stros mckay been through betnik and i'm now almost completely finished with uh malabaltor and I'm just having a really good time journaling him. So I've gotten a few requests. I haven't released anything yet. I know you haven't released anything about your character yet, um, at least from what you have journaled. Mm -hmm. But I have gotten a couple requests already from our listeners about reading my stuff. And awesome. I had a mild freak out about that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? That's awesome. <laughs> you want to read this? That's awesome. Well, it's, it's so. you know, we've gotten, I don't know if you saw this, uh, we've got people in the community now who are inspired to do it as well. And then I saw someone on yeah. Twitter, so it's just kind of like branching out into these people that are doing the same thing in their own way. Right. And if you enjoy writing, like I, I do enjoy writing, and it has, I mean, I, for me, I have to 
really enjoy the writing part in order for it to take away some of my gameplay. Mm. So I find myself a lot of the time I have um, a Word document pulled up where I'm journaling, and then the game's pulled up. So my character will like sit out in the wilderness and just kind of like sit or you know play the loot or something while I'm journaling. And I actually really am having a good time with it, um, way more than I thought I was going to. Right? Yeah. Because. You know, I don't get me wrong. I love playing the game, but at the same time, man, can you just kind of engross yourself into a world where, you know, he's got his own storyline. There's a reason for him to go to each location. And I'm kind of picking and choosing the locations he's going to um, as he learns how to be a warden from certain people in the world. That's what he wanted to do. So, you know, now he's learning from scratch how to be a warden, and every new skill he gets is like a progression in, in my character's life. And he's sent, you know, these are all from, it's just from my head, right? He's sent to different parts of Tamriel to learn different things from people, and I'm kind of detailing all that out in my story. And I think, man, I think I'm up to like 10 pages of journaling so far. And yes, I will release that stuff and i think jibs i've kind of seen a little pieces of yours too mm -hmm. and it's pretty amazing thank you so what's going on with yours uh so it's kind of funny i mean ours are again really kind of showcasing how we're polar opposites and it just jives really well you're doing the the lore, the uh, role play aspect in yours whereas mine is more kind of like a if you guys ever saw guys and gals ever saw the Tales of Tamriel books, the lore books that are out there. That's kind of what mine is going to look like. Mine will be in PDF form, and it'll look like it's been written in, kind of like the, um, if you're a fan of Star Wars and like the, uh, I think it's the Book of Sith, like you've, that whole style of this writing on, on top of my journal part, my entries. Um, and so mine is coming from a style of, um, I was working on all day yesterday. I finished up the main quest line in East March, which is amazing, by the way. But mine will become coming together based off what I actually see in the game. It's not in character. It's just how I have what I'm seeing when I see the world, what I'm experiencing. There'll be absolutely zero spoilers in it. Um, but it's uh, kind of more of like a visual experience. So it's I'm looking really looking forward to putting it out. It's going to be a good time. It's freaking awesome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. But um, so yeah, that's that's been about it. That and uh, just just taking my time, man, cruising. Um, we've gotten a lot more people joining, but uh, it's just been nuts. It's another another good week, man. Another good yep, week. it has been. It's been a blast, and uh, we've done some dungeon delving this week, mm -hmm. and um, lot. It's just lots of people around, and I think um, I think I'm pretty happy about that. To be honest with you, yeah, we're just kind of just steady flow. Yeah, agreed, hundred um, percent. Stuff's fun in game. We got stuff coming up with the guild. We've got another episode today, but you know, speaking of, probably should jump into that, should we? All right, well, everybody, welcome. Uh, this is episode seven, volume two of the Lore Seekers podcast. I'm your host, Jibs, and or we're your hosts, and uh, I'm joined by Cash. It is good to see you guys. Um, we're really glad to be back, and hopefully you're following our storyline. Our storyline is starting to take a little bit of a sinister turn, um, and we got a pretty robust one at the end of this particular episode, 
and lots of things to cover today along with a very secret lore lesson and jibs don't give it away I won't. until we do the lore lesson okay i will mark that out of the show notes because i am literally like ron burgundy i will read whatever i see and <laughs> i am read not even kidding teleprompter. not even kidding you i am a hundred percent okay um yeah yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty excited um, Go screw yourself, Tamriel. <laughs> <laughs> I would literally read that. There's no question in my mind. I would read it, and I wouldn't realize it till after I've read it. Kind of like your whole PvP thing the other, uh, you know, few episodes ago. But uh, oh, PvP penis. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So there's no question. So uh, yeah, volume two, and I always I encourage you guys. You've got to listen through the whole episode. We're getting some comments from people tweeting at us that they're confused with stuff with the with the show, that they're confusing because they're having a hard time following. Well, you have to listen to the whole thing. Um, some people think we've already started another volume of Lore Seekers because of the show at the end or the journal entries. And just, no, 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 no. Not, not the case. We're still in Volume 2. We're in Episode 7. And uh, what we're doing at the end, you can choose to listen if you want to. But it is a storyline that we've attached to uh, this volume. It's kind of every volume kind of has its own special thing. The first 18 episodes of Volume 1, that was us in the tavern and the whole experience there. This time we're out and about, and we've got a uh, storyline added. That's kind of the special bit that comes along with this this volume. So uh, we're still trucking along here. And, uh, you know, last week, if you missed Episode 6... We talked about some fun patch notes, lore lessons on the Fighters Guild, and the uh, we introduced a brand new segment, the Dungeons for Dummies, which we're holding off on this week. We'll be, be <laughs> we'll be, 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 I'll be bringing it back next week on the show. But uh, this week, we're talking Bethesda gameplay days, how you can earn one hundred thousand gold in ESO in September, and we're answering your mail, and we're doing a special lore lesson. I would have read it. I'm glad I deleted it on something that I'm not telling you about. So you're just gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait. And you know what? I'm not putting timestamps either. So you're not. You're not even gonna know what's gonna happen. You have any moment. Hey, you know what I really liked? Hmm. It's between you and I. This is like a behind the scenes coming uh, buff, uh, away from around the curtain, so that everybody else can hear my opinion. Mm-hmm. I really liked the um, last week on Lore Seekers. Oh, hey, thanks. I dug that. Yeah. Yep. No, thanks. Appreciate that. Yep. Kind of a chill morning. Like that's kind of the vibe. Like last time we were super hyped, all kinds of coffee, and this you know it's kind of chill. We're just chilling, man. But uh, yep, I like it. It's an earlier recording for us today, so it is. I'm spry. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like noon my time, but yeah, which means it's morning my time. I, I know. Like it. I know. All right. Well, uh, let's jump right into the news. Let me see what I've got on my bag. All right. So, there was quite a bit of news this week. Now, there was a Crown Store showcase that was dropped literally right before we were getting ready to record. And so, we didn't have time to put it in, but we'll be talking about that next week on Episode 8. But uh, for this week, on actually release day, um, that would be today if you're listening on Friday, The Elder Scrolls Online is coming to Seattle for Bethesda Gameplay Days. Now, this was put out on their main website, ElderScrollsOnline.com. They say, quote, Join us in Seattle for our next Bethesda Gameplay Days event as the Elder Scrolls Online team brings ESO, Merkmire, Twitch Drops, and more. All about them Twitch Drops. More means Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> you wish. You think it's us? What? No. No. Damn it. Come uh, on, guys. 
Are we getting invited? Are they are they flying us out? No? Yeah, no. No. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. So this is on Friday, August 31st, and Saturday, September 1st, from 1.30 p.m. to 9, uh, to 9 p.m. PST, which is, that would be, what, midnight EST? Thank you for putting it in time zones that we understand. Oh, my goodness. That is such a relief. BST, I'm like, I don't know what that is. But I know what yeah, BST like, is. Oh, it's going to be at uh, 10 UDT plus 8. Excuse yeah. me, what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is at the Hard Rock C- Cafe. It's located at 116 Pike Street, Seattle, Washington, 98101. Remember when we went to Seattle? Yes, I was going to say, dude, we've been there. Yeah. We have Yes. That was such a cool trip. We got invited out by um, Mojang, which was for the reveal of what is now shutting down, the gigantic MOBA. So that was a right. ton of fun. We're hanging out at the tap. What was that? Wasn't it like a gaming tavern? Yes, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was a complete gaming-themed tavern just outside of Seattle, and it was really freaking cool, and we got to hang out. Yeah, that was fun. Good times, good memories. Uh, So, attendees will be able to check out some of the Bethesda's upcoming games. Highly doubts. I'll just roll six. Six. Just going to throw it out there. But uh, (laughs) you can play the upcoming DLC, Merkmire. You can pick up a free event t-shirt. Oh, I want. And win some incredible... Yeah, me too. And win some incredible giveaways that include exclusive Somerset-themed PlayStation 4 and Xbox One consoles. Now, nice. if you'd like to learn more about Merkmire, they're doing a panel with creative director Rich Lambert, dungeon lead Mike Finnegan, and PvP lead Brian Wheeler. They'll be doing uh, this panel on the new zone, which includes its biomes and adventure adventures. I about said adventures. The new Black Rose Prison Arena. The changes coming to ESO's open world PvP game mode. And finally, they'll have a general Q&A about Merkmire and Update 20. And then number, do you see the number five? No. What was the number five? In the VIP room, Todd Howard will be there with Elder Scrolls Six. Oh, I must have missed out on the show notes. Yeah. I must Dang, have. bro. What did you use, a game shark on the teleprompter. Oh, oh, yeah. Right, right. Okay. We're just kidding. Todd Howard is not going to be there with Elder Scrolls Six. That's me <laughs> being a douche. Somebody listening immediately paused it, went and bought a ticket, and then they come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> By the way, there's—I uh, don't believe there's any ticket required for this event. I'm, at least what I think I read. I, don't quote me on that, but I do believe this is a this is no ticket required. I, I'm not sure how they're doing this. Um, so the panel will start on Friday, August 31st, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 4 p.m. for all of you in the Pacific. And for all of you in between there, yeah, you figure it out. You can watch on Twitch, and if you're doing so, per usual, they'll be doing the Twitch drops. And you can earn yourself the Flame Atronach Wolf Pet. Or, or not or, but and, get five Ouroboros Crown Crates. I'm pretty proud of myself. It's the first time I've said that and not blundered it. So, you did really good. Oh, thanks. So my question is, is the special Twitch drop, is that like a rare Twitch drop? Or is that one that you get if you watch the stream start to finish? That's one if you watch the stream. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's one you watch well, I'm going to watch it either way, but All right. the panel's what, cool. what's uh, interesting. I want to pick up on some, uh, and that's probably something next week, man, it's going to be a big episode. The more and more I talk about episode eight, we're going to have Dungeons or Dummies back crown store showcase and then this panel we'll go over the whole panel so yeah you can look forward to that but um 
if you did, by the way, here's a quick note. If you already perceived the Flame Atronach Wolf Pet during the recent QuakeCon livestream, you will only receive Crown Crates. These rewards will be delivered by September 7th. Console players, you can acquire the pet and Crown Crates by simply logging into the game and killing one enemy monster after the panel livestream between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. EST. There you go. There you go. That's that's what I'm talking about. Console players, there's a chance. Get yourself a pet. Everyone's home. Have fun. Get you some crates. There you go. September 13th is when uh, those rewards will be given. So there's that, man. That's cool. Yeah. Fun little event to um, to watch yeah. and hope for. Yeah. My flame atronach wolf pet. Yep. So uh, there's that. And quick, quick, uh, little quick thing. It's not really little. Pretty exciting, actually. September going to have some amazing rewards for those of you who uh, log in every day for the daily gifts the day re- daily rewards excuse me we are going to be able to earn over 100,000 gold so uh, you know since they introduced this in update 18 it's been a lot of fun we've got a lot of fun crates it's got, it's got some pets I'm a big fan of the Finnick Fox I believe that was one of them um, and so we've been able to get all kinds of fun stuff. And so if we log in for 28 out of September's 30 days, we will be able to earn 100,000 gold. Now, that's actually really handy, especially if, you know, if you're looking at an expensive motif that runs between, you know, 50 to 80,000, well, there you go. Uh, in addition to the gold, as far as September's concerned, we will also be able to unlock on day 21 the Scald's Damask jerkin costume quote allowing you to don the garb of riften royalty i love this because i currently i'm in skyrim questing for the the journal so i dig that uh three 150 percent xp scrolls on day 14 and two wild hunt crown crates on december 7th wild hunt crown crates we were talking about that before the show I know. I'm really excited about wild hunt crown crates i have been waiting for the better part of a year for those things to come back and they're back, mm. and oh. I'm excited, especially with my new with my new tune, right? Because he's super wardeny, super like uh, you know jungly, foresty nature guy. Yeah, yeah. So the, these wild hunt ones are going to come uh, very, very conveniently for him. Agreed. Now that was uh, it's not very often you see people with those mounts. I can count on my hand how many times since coming back to the game and doing the show that you know I've actually seen those. It's they're kind of like woodsy they got the green inside of them like the glowing green and they got the vi- right. vines over them right yeah they seem they seem kind of kind of rare hmm. i dig it i dig it. you know what i'm really looking forward to you want to know hmm? uh hmm? Hmm? no but you're gonna tell me though i am gonna tell you uh halloween the halloween event and christmas oh hell yeah i have yep. been waiting all year that freaking what they call it a witches festival is that what it is in the witches festival yeah you know i i hope um well, the last two years, I haven't been able to do it because both times I have been on trips, mm-hmm. like for most of the month. And then October anyway was a very busy, uh, it's a very busy month for me here at home on the home front IRL just because it's such, it's our holiday. Right. That, you know what that's I mean? your so we Events and decorating. And I mean, we go like incredibly over the top with halloween but this year we're taking a break for one so it's literally going to be like 
go to the sidewalk. I'm just going to throw your candy at you while I drink mead. Drink mead. On my porch. <laughs> Smoke cigars. Yeah. Get away, kid. <laughs> um, so my costume is going to be grumpy old man. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm actually going. Oh, I think I told you about that. I'm actually going on a trip. Yeah, going on a hunting trip. So I will be gone for just a small part of it. But anyway, the whole point of that, I'm going to have more time this year for the Halloween event. Um, the Christmas event I've done several times already. I just hope they change it up. Mm. Different things. Yeah, I think that's kind of was the vibe. Because I was looking at the Witches Festival post announcement for last year, and it seemed like there was a lot of disappointment in that it kind of seemed like a copy and paste. Like there really wasn't. I think they changed the sh- changed the shade of a couple outfits, and that was about all that they did. So I'm really kind of hoping that they step step uh, change it a little bit for this year. Right. So anyway. What was yeah, the... people dig those events. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't mean that we're not going to do them. I'm still going to go through and do everything because you do get good prizes and stuff. But, right. you know, a little change to the thing that you like your main goals and stuff that you have to do as opposed to just like jumping in the river here or, you know, gathering materials here to make this. And, yeah, new stuff would be cool. But I realize how hard it is for them to do that, too. It's oh, a lot yeah. of freaking work. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, remember the Jester's Festival? How long that lasted and how many of those crates you opened? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Didn't you I open did. like some hundred crates or something stupid like that? Oh, I opened an unbelievable amount of those things. I don't remember what it was anymore, but that's what I did every single day for every single day of that event. I wish someone had made an add-on that counted how many crates you opened over oh, for your account. I'm sure there's people that open a lot more than me, but I opened a crap ton. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's the news for this week. Not a whole lot really happening around good old ESO land. It was, and that being said, it was the launch of Wolf Hunter on console. So there's that, by the way. Welcome to Wolf Hunter con- uh, console players. I forgot to say that at the beginning. But that's right. They're here. Yeah, so they're finally apart. They're in. Uh, and typically, whenever there is... Just in general, in gaming, and it's kind of something that Cash and I have learned over the years, is that whenever there is a DLC release week, typically most of that week, as far as new news is concerned, is dedicated just to said DLC. There's hardly any news dropping, and it's just a week where it's focused on the new DLC. So, pretty quiet week in Newsland, but... You know, I got a question for you. Hmm. Do you know why... And I'm literally asking you. I do, this isn't like when I ask a question I already know the answer to because this is not one of those times. Mm-hmm. Why do they release PC first and console like a week or two later? My Here's my general guess. Just outside looking in. Business mindset. It allows you to properly market each one and build it up in its own way. Now, there was really only just a few tweets put out for the console release of Wolf Hunter. But my guess is, one, proper marketing buildup. Two, it allows them to kind of stagger their focus as far as behind the scenes on servers, on everything that's going on with the, uh, not not the mechanics, but the tech-related. So that's my guess. 
That's the one that I kind of thought it might have been. Yeah. Maybe it's just because, you know, they, they, they don't have like this massive team. No. You know, every team or their team has their certain jobs and everything. And I guess in order to not overwhelm them if there's issues, it makes sense that they would, you know, withhold on, on um, the platform releases for these things. I'm, I mean, I was kind so of funny you bring time. that up because I w- I'm not really a, a huge fan of it, to be honest. Um, but I, I see why they do it. I mean, you know, it, if that's the perspective, I mean, if that's what they're behind the scenes, why it does stack, why it is staggered like that. And maybe we can get a response from someone from Zoss who's listening. Cause I, genuinely, we'd like to know why they are staggered. If it is tech related or if it is social media marketing related, but regardless, um, I, I understand. I mean, I, I get why they, you know, it would be cool though, too. Like maybe stagger it up. So, so say like for the next DLC or something, they release it on consoles first. I'd be okay with that. To show them that. some love. Yeah, I would be okay with that. Uh, you know, I mean, unless there's some underlying reason to why they have to release PC first. Yeah. Um, and it's probably somewhere in some forum or some Reddit somewhere why they do it this way. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel I feel bad for our console folks because I think they, you know. Maybe get the run to the stick. And it's not just... I mean, it's for a lot of stuff, but not just ESO. Just out there, period. Right. Yeah, I would you know. I would like that. You know, I think um, in this in this stage of ESO, and uh, a couple episodes ago we said it was the golden years of ESO, and really it is. But ESO is at a point now where it, it really relies heavily on its community base. So I, I firmly believe uh, that it, uh, sharing the wealth is important between streamers to podcasters, between console to PC. Uh, there are people uh, people who are doing YouTube, people who are, I mean, just doing YouTube only. I mean, it's really important for them to latch on to their community because we're the ones driving the interest. We're the ones putting out the content. And so... On our end, and they're doing their end, and it's great, you know. But I th- right. it's I, almost like the perfect storm. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you really have people is. who love the game that they're playing. Yeah, and they want to just shout it out to the masses in whatever on whatever platform that they want to. So you know, you're right. There's people doing it on podcasting. There's people doing it on Twitch. There's people on YouTube and. You know, we're starting to branch out into YouTube a little bit and yeah, thinking about doing some live streaming and stuff. But um, it, there's content everywhere. And gosh, even some of the people in, in Lore Seekers um, are making their own content now. Yeah. And it's it's really neat to see. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good to see and neat to see that Zoss is grabbing a hold of those folks and... You know, number one, making them feel welcome as they absolutely did for us, like right off the bat, which blew our minds. Very um, unexpected. It was very unexpected, but uh, and it helped us a lot. But you know, just being able to latch onto those folks who are putting that content, are taking their own time to do that for free, like they're not being asked to do it. Right. Um, they're just getting out there and putting that effort into a game that they love. Right. And getting the word out. Yeah. For, it's got to be great for a company, absolutely, to get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. One, it's like one feeds the other. You know what I mean? It it really is like a constant flow, and it goes hand in hand. And so, 
You know, I I'm I would love to go back to what we're talking about. I would love to see. I would you know this may anchor PC players. I don't know, but I would love to see them flip it for once. I agree. I think that'd be fun, and it would be good. And quite frankly, it would definitely really show some love to the console players because man, right? That console community, that thing, it's busier than robust. I realized. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's the only reason that we can really say that we understand that. We don't know the stratics and everything behind it, but no, we have a very large console between um, PS4 and Xbox on or in, within the Lore Seekers community. Yeah, and they're doing stuff every single night together, and it's so yeah. neat to see all that stuff happening. Right. Um, and I've never been like PC Master Race type guy. I have an no. Xbox. I have a yeah. PS4. I love, I love playing games on both of them. Yep. I just choose to play Elder Scrolls on my PC because that's what I'm most comfortable doing. Right. But there is such a big community out there on consoles. And sometimes I personally feel like, man, it'd be nice to give them love. Yeah. So Agreed. Agreed. So, anyway, we want to hear your thoughts. You can always call us, 765-382-6961. If we get enough voicemails, we will uh, put them on the air. And uh, when the old mail carrier shows up, yours just might be included. You can also email us, Podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, tell us your thoughts on the news, comments, anything that we talked about today. But uh, So, yeah, man, lore lesson time. I'm pretty yeah, excited because you told me this was something... That it was not trying to surprise me, and I did surprise you. You did surprise me, and I hated you for it. I was so I just I almost left it off the show notes until we did it. You should just to catch your reaction. You should have. Well, anyway, let me see that spell. You got a good spell today. Got a good lore book. You gonna summon here? Okay. All right. Let's see. I do. All right. Stand back. This one's gonna pop. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, do you even say, don't look. I don't want you to see the title of this. Okay. Okay. Don't get all sneaky. All right. Okay, so yesterday, I was having a conversation with old Jibs. And he's like, oh, what, what are you working on? I go, oh, working on Lord Lesson. He goes, oh, what are we doing this week? I said, ah, oh, we're talking about uh, the flora and fauna of the Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And he's, I could tell he's just like, oh, that's cool. Sounds amazing. <laughs> but, I did not say it like that. You're such, you are actually, so reincarnated. He actually my sounded wife. like, oh, oh that's, my gosh. It's like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I'm thinking to myself, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but what he didn't know is that I was preparing a surprise for him. We've talked about it for a lot of episodes. A lot of weeks. And we're finally there. This week, the lore lesson number 25 this is our 25th lore lesson. Woo! We are covering the Dwemer. Yeah! Dwemer time, baby. Is it, wait, Dwemer or Dwemer? Oh, buddy, I'm going to cover that. It's both. Oh. At least according to the Internet? UESP. I mean, it's on the Internet, the so it's got to be true. Yeah, I know, because we all believe the interwebs. I sure do. I mean, I take Wikipedia's gospel. <laughs> all right, so I need a swig of uh, I need a swig of ale here, real quick. All right. 
That sounds mm -hmm. metallic. Is that metallic? Do you have one of your metal mugs? Yeah, it's Metallica. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm actually really excited about this one. It's a cool one. So Okay. The Dwemer. Also known as the Dweemer. You can say it both ways. I mean, because words can be a challenge at <laughs> times. Not naming any names. Not naming any names, but <coughs> Jibs sucks at words. <laughs> so this gives him some choices. He'll probably find a way to crap the bed. But I hope you poop we're going to give him tonight. two choices on how to say this one. All right. Also known as the people of the deep. The Dwemer are arguably the most iconically fabled race in the entire lore of Elder Scrolls in the entire series. I beg you to find something that proves me wrong on that one. Right? Right. Right. So Dwemer in itself means Deep Elves. And for as long as I can remember playing this series of games, the disappearance of this race from Tamriel in a flash has been incredibly debated by lorehounds, both expert and novice. Me, I'm the novice. So anyway, <laughs> I put this lore lesson together. It's been a long time in the making, but we are finally going to reveal the history and speculation behind this incredible Elder Scrolls race to all of our listeners, but there's one thing that I want you to keep in mind while you listen to this lesson. The history of the Dwemer is mostly speculation because their true story was not accu accurately recorded and can't be confirmed. And it's because of the way that they disappeared, and we will certainly get to that and bring some understanding as to why there is no concrete evidence. Hmm. There is a ton of information, so grab yourself a Rotmeth. Oh, gosh. That's, or not. That's terrible. And enjoy. All right. So some of the most obvious stuff first. Actually, this part might not be that obvious, but we're going to talk about physical traits of the Dwemer first um, because there are some misconceptions. So despite popular belief, the Dwemer were not a small species of elves. And the only way that they know this or they could deduce this was that archaeological evidence proves that the armor worn by the Dwemer was actually the same size of a typical human, uh, human or an elf. So the first fun fact here, it's believed that the Dwemer attained the dwarf moniker a long time ago by the giants of the Velothi Mountains, who would have undoubtedly considered the Dwemer to be unusually small. You know, for the longest time, I thought they were because of that. I always so did I because they're called dwarves. Yes, I thought there was legit dwarves, and this was before, like right when we were starting our show. I discovered it's not the case. Yeah, not the case. So they're not going to be the uh, quintessential dwarves when they come back because they will return. I sure they're not going to be so. the quintessential dwarves that you're going to see, like in. You know, a Tolkien novel. Gosh, I would love that, though. Oh, it would be so cool. Mm. Right, for sure. So, um, actually, the, actually, the Imperials went and excavated uh, a lot of the ancient Dwemer ruins. And it also supports the theory that the translation of the Dwemer as Deep Elves 
may have also been known as smart elves. So it's the imperial excavations think that it's kind of interchangeable. So deep elves may have also meant smart elves. And it certainly kind of rings true because of the things that they were capable um, and uh, the things that they did. So here's another fun fact. The Anuad is an early religious book of myth on the creation of Nern and beyond. So it mentioned that the Elnafe or the old gods had brilliant students. So it mentioned something about brilliant students and it speculated that these brilliant students were actually the earliest Wemmer before they split. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. There's a lot of like little things in here that lead to the under a little bit more understanding, but really doesn't quite prove it. So pretty much everything I say today is speculation based off of small amounts of evidence. Hmm. Okay. So there's that. Okay. So to date, the only visual examples of Dwemer come from actual sculptures and dwarven specters, which are ghosts of ancient Dwemer, which can still be found haunting the halls of their ruins. Mm -hmm. There's no like physical skeletons or bodies. From these, but the, although these sources are very, very archaic, it can be gathered that the Dwemer looked similar to other elven races and that they preferred heavy armor and adorned themselves with long beards. And then their, their casters were, you know, their robe wearers. Right. But other, no other specific information actually exists. So it was either heavy or light, it seems, because that's the only evidence that they have. And then they all like to wear long beards, which I, you know, I just thought elves it had the capability of growing beards but like traditionally kind of not right yeah like in some games you play i mean this is going out of canon for other scrolls but in some other games you play you can't have like a thick beard for an elf no no very smooth skin smooth the smooth skins so let's talk about some of the stuff that we do know because there still is evidence that's able to be found. And this is the technology of the Dwemer. So by all accounts of the history available, it appears that the Dwemer were very highly technologically advanced and the other races of Tamriel had not yet uncovered the secrets behind their inventions, including the actual metal from which their, constru their constructs were constructed. Their focus appeared to be on creating quality materials first, then building the end product. So the Dwemer were able to master the use of steam and geothermal power by utilizing natural lava sources beneath Morrowind, where they, where they first kind of settled. Mm -hmm. And this allowed them to create incredibly advanced constructs such as airships. I was like, excuse me, what? But there is a game. I think we talked about that game. Oh, um, yeah. A couple uh, episodes ago. Yeah. Where there's an airship actually like stuck in the ice. Well, that was a Dwemer build. Mm -hmm. um, also, they can also make sentient machines, mechanical observatories, and lighting systems that can have continued to work for centuries without any maintenance. I love that. Yeah. Like, really pretty cool, the stuff that they make that's still working. Yeah. They also created a defense system, which I know you guys have run into, in many of their underground cities, factories, and strongholds that are still functional today. Okay, this is a very difficult word. Anamansuli. 
Anamunsuli. Anamunsuli. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Enchanted <laughs> mechanical guardians or centurions and spheres mm-hmm. still inhabit these areas and appear to be power linked to their place of origin, losing power if they are removed. So a lot of these things, and some of the quests that you do, you have to find power sources for these things because they've been removed from their home. So there is a lot of speculation that these constructs that defend these old Dwemer ruins or old Dwemer factories that are still in use, the constructs that defend them will lose their power if they're taken too far away from their place of origin. Oh. And they basically become useless. Huh. Right. So these artificial constructs are believed to have a very strong connection to magic and an incredibly advanced artificial intelligence as well, with the ability to sense the intentions of those around them, including the ability to react accordingly. Cool, huh? No kidding. It's funny because my intentions when I go into the and you know, when I go into most of those places is really to find to steal some of their cool stuff. Yeah. And I always end up getting attacked. <laughs> They don't so want maybe to they see. can sense that I want to steal their crap. It's so cool, man. That tech is so cool. That, that's the part that makes me wish that they could somehow bring them back and have that whole aspect of them because it's so incredibly unique. Yes, and I think that there is so much of an open door. We can talk about it after I go through the whole lore lesson, but yeah, I think there's yeah. so much of an open door for them to be brought back. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. yeah. Fun fact. The Dwemer appeared to have had an an extensive knowledge of the arcane and possessed the ability to imbue their creations with its power. They even kept an Elder Scroll within their massive underground fortress at Blackreach in the region of Skyrim. They had their very own Elder Scroll. Hmm. The Elder Scroll is mine! (laughs) Had to. Tension breaker. Had to be done. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Architecture. This is kind of short, but here's the, uh, just a little blip about uh, Dwemer architecture. They found refuge in their constructed strongholds where they lived in colonies or city-states. The areas that they built were forged underground or into mountains and were constructed of very well-calculated and mostly angular design. They, prefer, they preferred like... Um, boxy straight edges because it was so more, so much more precise than um, like a sphere or something rounded. They preferred just angular design. Um, they were laden. These areas that they constructed were laden with steam powered contraptions, many of which still operate today. Mm-hmm. Um, similar steam boilers that would run these colonies and city states can be found in much, much smaller um, forms in their constructed centurions, which are believed to be powered by the stronghold's infrastructure itself, however, not confirmed. And that's part of the uh, thing that I was talking about just a few minutes ago. When uh, these constructs are taken away, they believe the power source is somewhere within their area of origin as opposed to within themselves. That's why they lose power. Right. Okay. Let's dive into history. This is. This is pretty thick. The history. I like this so much. This is a really fun lore lesson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The race of elves, native to the lands of Dwemereth, which is really modern-day Morrowind, 
were referred to by men as dwarves. Though much of their origin history is not known, they are one of the most interesting races of them all. Speculation was that they split from ancient Aldmer, and that took place sometime during the earliest years of Tamriel's history. So we're talking Merithic and, and before. Mm-hmm. Although there's no actual evidence of this, many scholars believe that um, they originated from ancient Aldmer due to many similarities in Dwemer's societal rules. So it's kind of taken as they are, they originated from Aldmer. Um Although not confirmed, that's just the same. Although not confirmed, everybody pretty much knows they came from the ancient Aldmer. Right. The Dwemer were believed to be so incredibly intelligent, industrious, and fearless, and in many cases, cruel, because they were trying to protect and put forth these thoughts. They were so much further advanced from other people that they just, they didn't put up with it. You know what I mean? Just like, okay, whatever. Zero tolerance. You guys are stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They were a society of very reclusive inventors, uh, very much free thinkers, and they were hopelessly dedicated to the study and furtherance of science, engineering, and the arcane, all three in one, which is what makes them so unique and special. When we study the true history of their race... Most of the information that you uncover reflects on their conflicts with other races from within their own society. Tons of internal struggle happening with the Dwemer. From the beginning of their speculated arrival on Morrowind during the Merithic, the Dwemer settled along the coastline and founded their new home, which they called Dwemerith. The Dwemer begun their first clash in the region with the with the uh, chimer over land resources and religion. Um, so the chimer, you know, are the early Dunmer, right? Obviously native to Morrowind. And then the Dwemer show up and they're just like, what? You guys are wrong. You guys are stupid. <laughs> and now they get into this head bashing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the chimers, we know it were very devout followers of the Daedra. And this did not set well with the Dwemer. So they battle with the chimer for years until a common enemy brought the two warring entities together. Do you remember what that common enemy is? Uh, what's his name? Shores Bones. Vikings? Or the Vikings. The Gosh. freaking Vikings. Norse. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Man, I've been balls deep in East March lately, and that's all I've been thinking about the Vikings. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was the Vikings. Yeah. Yep, is the Nords. You're right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not even mad at you. In the early part of the First Era, the Nordic invasion under High King Vrij in the province of Morrowind brought the Dwemer and the Chimer together as a unified front to repel the invasion of the men from the north. The Vikings. Shut your mouth. In the first era, year 416, the Alliance ultimately defeated the Nordic invaders, leading to the first council headed by leaders of both Dwemer and Chimer society in the region that they coined Resident. So they kind of called the entire area Resident and um, combined forces, basically, to lead. 
but they were still so different. There was still a problem there because they had so many fundamental differences and it would boil to a head pretty quickly. Right. So because of the alliance of the joining of the two cultures, a few Dwemer clans rebelled because of the longstanding conflict with the Chimer. One such clan was known as Rorkin. They chose to self-exile and they led their clan to the region now known as Hammerfell. Uh, Hammerfell was originally known as Volenfell. So that's how the Dwemer ended up in Hammerfell as well. Another such defiant Dwemer clan known as Clan Cragen followed Rorkin's cue and migrated to the west and then reestablished themselves in Skyrim. So, you know, now you have Dwemer kind of spread out all over the place and weren't just in one area. Our conflicts in Skyrim with, um, with Rorkins, the Rorkin Dwemer, with Nordic inhabitants led to further Dwemer spread into the West. So they just started hitting more conflicts with the Nords and they just continued to move the West. But the problem is that spread them out. Um, so it increased the amount of Dwemer settlements from the areas of Markarth all the way to the Reach. But they started to spread out. And then every one of these settlements chose to bury their cities deep within their respective mountains um, in order to conceal their numbers. But during their delve into the mountains of Skyrim, the Dwemer eventually discovered Ethereum. And this is a very, very important point. The Dwemer eventually discovered Ethereum. This is an incredibly rare, luminescent blue crystal with very, very strong magical powers. The crystal, which had to be extensively researched by the Dwemer in order to actually harvest and use it, was thought to have a strong connection to the meteoric glass that fell to Nern during the time of the aliens. Wow. Yeah. They're thinking it was the same stuff. Hmm. So eventually, control of the precious crystals harvesting and use became the basis for a brutal split between all of the Dwemer city-states. So here's more of that internal warring. The split actually weakened the alliance between the Dwemer clans in the region, in Skyrim, and allowed the Nords to move back in under High King Gellir. So they were able, the Nords were able to move back in because of this, this split and internal struggle, um, struggle by the Dwemer, and they were able to gain a foothold over the Dwemer in Skyrim. Yes, so as if this devastating conflict between the Dwemer alliance wasn't enough, the Dwemer in Skyrim also created their, an additional problem. It's actually turned into a freaking crisis by tricking the fleeing snow elves to live among them. So remember when we talked about this one, the snow elves were under attack by the Nords. They were kind of going back and forth in their own struggle. Right. Um, they were in, in a losing conflict with the Nords of Skyrim, basically. The snow elves that did survive, though, the onslaught by um, the Nordic king Harald, were forced into the wilderness and eventually found sanctuary with the Dwemer, but it was for a price. Fun fact. Hmm. The Dwemer provided safe haven for the snow elves that were fleeing for their lives from the Nords. But they were tricked into consuming a toxic fungi that rendered them blind, allowing the Dwemer 
to force them into slavery because their population was so weakened. Mm -hmm. And eventually the snow elves devolved into the corrupt elves known as the Falmer. Remember that? Yes, sir. Yes. So the Dwemer, very smart, very sneaky, very cruel, in many ways very corrupt. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the enslaved snow elves, the Falmer, eventually rebelled against the Dwemer in the war, something was called the War of the Crag. And it's a brutal conflict that took place under the surface of Skyrim for several decades without the Nords on the surface even knowing it was taking place. Wow. So the war ended with the mysterious and sudden disappearance of the Dwemer. That's like the dun-dun-dun moment, right? Right. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. What in the holy hell happened to the Dwemer. Are you, Any guesses? Are you, oh, you're asking. Uh, <laughs> something related to one of the divines, maybe? I don't know. The three. The Vikings came and stole them. The Vikings came and stole them. You're a douche. They did. You're a douche. <laughs> okay. Something happened to the mysteriously clandestine race of elves uh, around first era year 700. They completely vanished. But nobody truly knows what happened. And the disappearance of the Dwemer, as we talked about, is probably the most debated topic in the history of Tamriel and the Elder Scrolls universe as a whole. For reasons unknown, the Dwemer suddenly disappeared during the Battle of Red Mountain. The Battle of Red Mountain was the final conflict between General uh, Nerevar's Chimer and the Dwemer. The accounts of what actually transpired during the Dwemer's disappearance are so conflicting that there is zero concrete evidence today. It's speculated that the Dwemer had discovered the Heart of Lorcan. So the Heart of Lorcan is a powerful ancient relic and was known as the divine spark of the deity of the same name. So it's the divine, basically the divine spark of Lorcan. And remember, Lorcan was the trickster god. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was held beneath red mountain well in order to harness the power of the relic that they had found the dwemer chief tonal architect by the name of kagernak constructed a a legendary set of tools known as kagernak's tools it consisted of three different tools first was a tool called sunder this was a hammer that was used to produce a specific amount and quality of power from the heart of Lorcan. Then there was the keening. This was a short blade used to flay and focus the power that Sunder produced. And then there was a wraith guard. This was actually a gauntlet that was worn by, by the constructor to stop the fatal effects of the other tools, Sunder and keening, on the wielder. So it's actually like a big, giant gauntlet that would be worn while they were working with Sunder and Keening on extracting what they needed to out of the heart of Lorcan. However, this process was interrupted, seemingly speculate, speculatory. This process was interrupted when the Chimer were made aware of the Dwemer's attempt to harness the power of the heart of Lorcan. And they considered this a blasphemous act and they vowed to stop the attempt attempt. So at this point, it's unknown what Kagernak's ultimate goal was. 
it's speculated that he sought to elevate the Anumidium. The Anumidium was a giant golem made of brass. It was speculated that he sought to elevate the Anumidium to be a new god of the Dwemer, powered by the heart of Lorcan. So the Anumidium, if activated, was to be a weapon of devastating power that they most likely would have used against the, the Chimer. However, before the Anumidium could be activated, the entirety of the Dwemer race disappeared in an instant. It appears that all members of the race were actually just erased from the world as we know it. So here's a testament to that fact. And some of the only evidence they have. When the untouched, untouched Dwemer ruins at Bam's Amshend, which is basically Mournhold, was discovered, numerous piles of ash were present next to weapons and armor, in chairs, in beds. This suggested that the Dwemer's bodies simply and suddenly just reduced to ash in an instant. So it's believed that the very controversial use of Kagranak's tools by Kagranak himself sparked an instantaneous, spontaneous combustion of every Dwemer on the face of Nern. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that's what I would get out of you, is a wow. But yeah, pretty gnarly. Yeah. Second theory. The second theory holds that it wasn't the use of Kagranak's tools to create the to create a new god that doomed the Dwemer. However, it was the blatant misuse of the laws of nature in seeking to create the profane by commanding the sacred earth bones. So they're thinking basically they were commanding the earth bones and basically betraying the laws of nature in order to seek their profane, which they, you know, the profane they consider uh, making a new god. So basically they pissed off the old gods, right. is what they're saying. Other theories hold that the Adra and the Daedra were insulted by the Dwemer's religious skepticism of them, and they somehow played a part in the disappearance. Or, another theory, that the Dwemer became frightened of Azura's uncontrollable nature and simply abandoned their own culture and blended in with the Altmer and, and uh, Chimer cultures. So the last theory, if they actually did that, which I highly doubt that they just, oh, all of a sudden we're afraid of everything, and then they just abandon everything and left. And That doesn't seem like them, just based off this lesson. No, not at all. But it is a theory. Um, but this last theory would suggest the Dwemer are still among the population today. They're just under a completely different identity doesn't really make sense to me uh -uh. i think the very first one that um they were instantaneous like, like instantaneously spontaneously combusted i guess that seems the most likely i mean an incredible feat but that seems the most likely hmm. so you know that there's since there's various parts of uh nern that we have never been to in the ESO timeline could always just be that they were transported to another area of Nern. Could be something to think about. But how do you explain the ash in one of those ruins? I mean, did they find the same ash in the other ruins? I don't know. See, I don't. I don't know. Could have been the residue yeah. was left behind. I don't know. 
I know. That's what makes this whole thing such a mystery. So whatever you choose to believe, the sudden disappearance of the Dwemer is, in fact, the largest mystery to plague Tamriel. And until we actually have more information, the population of Tamriel and the adventurers that roam the land will never truly know what the um, answer to the mystery is. But I believe that it is out there and it will, maybe not soon, but it will be discovered eventually in the lore with something written in either the return of the Dwemer, either the explanation of exactly what happened to them. Um, I really hope for the return of the Dwemer. I think it would be unbelievable if there's still a colony that exists Mm. that did not die. Right. Um, But until then, we speculate, we wait. I would love that so much. I was thinking the other day, ESO, man, one thing that we obviously believe it needs the Necromancer class, but man, how cool would it be to have that aspect of gameplay that's more mechanical? You know what I mean? That's more gadgety feel to it in a Dude. in the world of Tamriel. I mean, just I know I know that this is a is way out there, but could you imagine? New race, the Dwemer. Okay, something happens, the Dwemer return. Uh-huh. Like the next expansion, not chapter. I'm talking the next full expansion. Uh-huh. It gets written into the lore. This is such a pipe dream. Gets written into the lore. The The return of the Dwemer. What actually happened to them? This is what happened. There's all new lore written. We get a new race, the Dwemer, and a new class, the Engineer. Oh my gosh. Shut up, chips. Oh, my gosh. That, that, would be, <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. That would be awesome. That, that yep. would just... <sighs> yeah. Yep. A construct pet. Oh, stop it. You stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome. I mean, because I've always been fascinated with him ever since Morrowind. When I first yeah. saw, I, I will never forget when I first saw a Dwemer ruin, and I'm like, "What the heck is that?" It was so ominous looking. It was so just out of the ordinary, and it made me just I I I fell in love, and I fell in love with the idea of the Dwemer. And since then, I've just been waiting, just wondering and waiting, watching, hoping. Yeah. Yeah, and there's probably oh, lore hounds out there that know so much more about this stuff, you know, than we do, and they're probably going, "These guys are total douches." <laughs> Man, that'd be so kind anyway, of harsh if, if you're out there. <laughs> if you're out there and you're thinking that, then my response to you is, "Hi, howdy ho." Well, all I got to say is, hands down, my favorite lore lesson, and it's so fitting because it's the 25th lore lesson. Well done. Right. Well, thanks, done. buddy. I really wanted that to be a surprise for you because I know that you were uh, you're looking for it. And the whole time I was talking to you yesterday while I was writing it, I had a hard time keeping my mouth shut. Well, you did a really good job because I, I mean, I like did, we were talking dude. beforehand. I'm like, you know, all right, so we're doing flora and fauna. How am I going to spin this into marketing for the episode? Okay, I can do this. <laughs> how I am can I going to spin this? How am I going to spin it into something that sounds interesting? <laughs> <laughs> you did you did good. You did real good, kid. You did go. Oh, oh man! Hey, and continuing on with the talk of the elves. Hello, good sir. I've been looking for you. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. Thank you for 
our mail. Well, it's mail time here. Stalker. I know. Every every week. It's mail time here again on Lore Seekers, and today we are starting we are starting it off with a voicemail from Richard on order in ESO. Let's take a listen. Hello, Jizz and Cash. This is Richard, otherwise known as Rocknax on the Xbox side of the guild. I was uh, listening to the podcast, the latest one, and was really loving the uh, the new idea to start um, playing the ESO from uh, the beginning to the end, uh, per se. And as we... As you, as you said that, I've thought of the same idea. I was hoping um, that you would know where is the beginning and where is the the end. Um, like, for instance, uh, I loved getting into um, Morrowind and and really fell in love with Naryu, the, the Dunmer, and I found out later on that she has other places where she she appears um and i just wanted to go back and and look into that so anyway just wonder if you guys do um and we'll uh we'll talk to you later okay bye all right well thanks richard um can i take the lead on this yeah shoot okay so I'm going to say, now. I haven't done any research. I'm sure there are people out there who have the exact same question, Richard. Um, I can say this: uh, this past week, really diving into East March, the vibe that I get is every zone really is its own experience, its own adventure. But you'll also get, for instance, like you said, Naryu you'll see characters, influential characters in these zones. And so I was in East March. Lo and behold, happened to come up on a camp. Guess who's standing there? In a dress, acting as a servant for this, uh, what was it, the Dunmer General. It was freaking Naryu. And I'm like, holy crap, what are you doing here? Like, it just, it blew my mind to see her there. And so you're so right, you're, you know you're seeing these characters, influential characters across different parts of the zones. And really, I'll be honest with you at first glance, I really don't think there is a beginning point to an end point. Imagine trying to get all that lined out quest by quest, zone by zone, that it would be a massive undertaking. I'd be surprised if anybody has completed that. Um, But I really don't guarantee there has, I really don't think that there's a beginning and end I, as far as the game's concerned, I would say, in my opinion, there's the base game, then the DLCs doing those in order, but that's my take. Okay. Now, I'm going to take your take, and I'm going to poop on it. Okay. And um, Light it on fire, put it on my porch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have um, there's some information that you can get online. And um, and then I have kind of my own little things to throw in. So like, where you start really depends on the content that you own. And I hate to kind of, 
you know, put a monetary thing on it, but it really does kind of ring true. And the reason being, if you have the base game, then at least it used to be, you, you would start in Cold Harbor. That's where they would put you, in Cold Harbor. What, when now with all the different um, expansions and chapters, now your starting area is going to be in the latest area. So now if you start a brand new character, you're going you're gonna to start in Somerset and go through that portion right um if i can give any advice if you're looking to do this start to finish right the the best way to go and you don't have to the best way to go is to do your starter island first you do the tutorial and then as soon as you reach and it really prompts you to as well as soon as you reach that first major city of your alliance you are going to be sent um you're basically going to be prompted to start the um, Harborage quests, which is the main storyline of the game where you become the vestige and, you know, you do that, that whole thing. That's what's going to happen. You'll be zoned to Cold Harbor to escape and then you get put into that entire storyline. So once you get through all those quests, the next order would be to do Molag Ball's Plane Melt, which is going to take you to um, Cold Harbor again. And then you're going to do that quest line. And then from there, you're going to do the Morrowind and Clockwork City and then Somerset Isles arcs. Um, so kind of that's kind of the chronological order. And then you can move into Alliance Zones, uh, Fighters Guild, Mages Guild. And then if you hadn't finished the main quest, main quest. But that's kind of the way it would go chronologically. So, um, and then you do like Ebonheart. Say you go to Ebonheart Pact, right? That That's your alliance. You're going to do Bleak Rock, Balfoyen, Stone Falls, Deshaun, Shadowfen, East March, The Rift. If your alliance is Daggerfall Covenant, the chronological order is going to be Stros Mackay, Betnick, Glenumbra, Stormhaven, Rivenspire, Alakir, Bankarai. If you are Ald Mary, you're going to do Canarthes, Auradon, Grotwood, Greenshade, Malabaltor, Reaper's March, in that order. And no, I don't know those by heart. I'm reading it literally from an Elder Scrolls online I was going to say, guide. my goodness. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I was just ready for this question from you. So. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, if you want to find that, you can find it on the Elder Scrolls online forum. It's basically, what order should I do ESO story arcs? It's a guide. Well, there you go. Will detail everything that I said. Yeah. It's an outstanding guide, by the way. So Tell you what, um, we'll put that in the show notes uh, link yeah. at com. Right. I will drop it in there right now. Yeah, so drop that. could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's... Uh, Good question, man. Really good question. Yeah, I very good question. I had never even considered that as far as what he's saying. I I did. I mean, I did do the the main storyline, et cetera, as far as the base game, and then moving to you know the expansions. But I see what he's saying. That's good. That's good. Thanks, thanks, Richard. We appreciate it. Uh, yep. Then we're closing out. We're here with a, my an email from my Eek the Truthful. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, oh. When do we get to see you stream? Exclamation mark, question mark. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well. It's a good one. That is a good one. You know what? We don't have a definitive answer for that. Here's the reason being. We are uh, each person and uh, well, I'll, I'm just going to speak for myself. Cash can then speak. I'm not going to speak for him. But speaking for myself, I am very much an audio guy. Um, I am a content creator that does audio. That's my thing. That's why I love to create an immersive audio experience for you. I I wish there was more support for that. I really do. Um, because there's an outlet for that, and there's listeners for that, and there's an audience for it, and there's quality in it. That being said, um, I really struggle doing streams like this, mainly because I'm an audio guy. Like That's where my heart's at, and I don't want to stream unless there is something that we have set up that we've done to where Cash and I are on the same page, and we're doing it with... A, a specific purpose behind it but that being i mean it'll be one it's one thing if we're doing like charity streams or we're doing because cash and i are both very very big into charity we believe in helping and loving other people but i think at the end of the day i am very much in the audio side of the eso content creation and i will continue to be in the eso side of content creation doesn't mean we'll never stream but um I don't have a definitive answer. Aside from that, that's all I got. Mine's easy. I'm lazy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, actually, it's for. I think for me, I do. I like to stream. Um, I have streamed in the past uh, on Twitch, but it's a time thing. It really is a time thing. I have tons of things going on um, in my life between like real life work and volunteer work and the things that I enjoy doing. And then I got my family and then I got the show. So for me finding time, like, and I try to squeeze in my own game time between all that to where I can just chill and just, you know, talk to my friends on lore seekers and, and play. And, um, when you stream, I'm sure you guys know if you stream and you're really trying to do a good job at it, it's work. It's certainly work, which is why I have so much respect for a lot of the streamers that are out there that are trying to do this as a living. My hat's off to you because it is a lot of work. Um, and I, I got to be honest with you, I would not have a problem like getting in there and streaming just every once in a while for fun, you know, once a week, something like that. But getting into that vicious cycle of having to stream over and over again and have a schedule and I am just not interested in burning out like that so um will we be seen streaming in the future yes we will um are we going to make it like a everyday thing absolutely not going to happen it's just it's too much and we already put forth a ton of effort into um, bringing you the highest quality audio experience that we can um, and trust me if we could do this full-time we would but jibs and i both have you know, full-time jobs and families and stuff. So our, our time does have to suffer in some respect. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This was episode seven of the Lore Secrets podcast from volume two. 
And, uh, you know, if you like this show, we know you guys are tuning in from all over, from all kinds of apps, whether it's the Google Podcast app that I didn't even know it was out. Apparently, that's a thing. Uh, Stitcher, wherever, Spotify, iTunes. We appreciate all of you. But if you are listening on iTunes, what we would greatly appreciate from you is a review. So for every five-star review, we give you a shout-out and show you some love on the show. And speaking of, we got a couple here. This one from Matthew says, Great podcast, guys, and thank you. We came for the lore, but stayed for the noob info and your entertaining banter. My son and I have just a couple of weeks started playing ESO. Easy to get started, but hard to do well. Coming from Freelancer, WoW, and SWOTOR, I'm not used to the the WASD keys. Son using Xbox controller. Please keep up the great work, and long may continue. Matthew and Luke. Dude, that, that, wow, okay. Behind the scenes... That's why I wanted to do the show the way we've done it. Father and son, listening, right? gaming, that resonates. Thank you, Matthew. appreciate that. It does. And that's why, right there, why we try and keep the show as clean as possible. Well, Jibs is very good at it. I am not so good at it, but that's why. <laughs> because we have a father and son that are playing this game together. There is nothing better in gaming than that right there. You can combine family time with something that you love doing and you can teach a skill to your child. You know, I'm sure Matthew's teaching his son, Luke, all type of etiquette and this is how you do this, this is how you do that. I don't care what anybody says. Video games teach incredible skills. Twitch skills, critical thinking skills, reaction times, all that kind of stuff is getting taught in video games. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go out and do stuff outside because you absolutely should. But this right here resonates to my heart. Agreed. Thank you for 150%. this. One hundred and fifty percent. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, we appreciate that. That's Cash and I both fathers both have families. It's pretty awesome. Uh, second review here from uh, I'm going to butcher this and I'm sorry. Hillier eleven. I I, f- I feel good about that. Could just be Hillier, but. You know. I'm going to let you stand on your own two feet this time, buddy. Okay, I'm going with Hillier. I, I, I could be wrong, but <laughs> says I'm a listener, he or she, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm looking at here. I am a listener in the UK, and I would love to set up the EU Xbox One Lore Seekers Guild. I love how he starts this. I would appreciate awesome. an opportunity to do this. Okay, back to the review, he says. Or they say, uh, listen since day one. I like what you have done with season two, and it really demonstrates how creative you both are very relatable hosts at times it sounds like my own experience with the game being discussed without doubt though my favorite bit is the lore lessons keep up the good work parentheses i was going to include a difficult word somewhere in here just for jibs but thought i'd be nice dilly dilly hillier hmm hmm well you did it anyway because the name apparently caused jibs some heartburn so well done on that. <laughs> Should we talk about the EU thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to look at starting get... an EU PC guild. Yes. And that's that's the start of it. I mean, we, we, we want to expand into uh, EU on all platforms. So the only thing we're missing is the people and the leaders. So just so you know, we're interested in doing this. If there are folks out there 
who want to bring a community or you know start your own community for the lore seekers and run it we are open to all that so i love the way that this guy did it like throwing it to the world hey just by the way i'm your dude i loved it <laughs> doing it on a on a um review <laughs> he knew i'd have to read it <laughs> <laughs> that was tight but um get in contact with us get in contact with us at loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com and um you know get involved with our community so we can start making this stuff kind of happen great yeah that's one thing we want to meet you in the community that's for sure yeah uh call us start yeah 765-382-6961 leave us your voicemail there and uh you know we just might just like richard's earlier play it on the show you can email us loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com you can also visit us at loreseekerspodcast.com and at the bottom of the page there's a little little area there that you can uh, put in some info and I'll send right to our email all day, every day. 365. Uh, speaking of Lore Seeker Community Guild, it's continues to grow. <laughs> it's tur- I was literally telling Cash the other day, I'm like, dude, this is turning into a beast. <laughs> That's good. We like beasts. He's a good X-Man. Yeah. So in order to join us, loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild You'll have to have Discord downloaded, and then you can join our Discord server. Once you join our Discord server, go to the Apply to Guild channel and type forward slash apply, and that will bring up a little application for you to fill out. If you have any problems, you can uh, private message either Jibs or myself, and we'll get you taken care of. There you go. You can find this show wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all kinds of other places wherever podcasts are free that's where we're at you can follow my follow us on twitter myself at jibs irl cash at laura seeker cash with a k and most importantly the show at laura seekers cast hope you guys had a great week and uh you know what stay classy tamriel yes do that i don't know if you heard but i did over a thousand (laughs) be kind to each other that's another thing i wanted to say this week be yes. kind to each other. It's hard to be kind, but be kind and dilly dilly. The smell of the sea, the sound of wind gently rattling heavy fabric, the sound of water lapping against the hull of a small boat. I sensed it all, but it was blurry. I didn't quite know if it was real or if I was having a dream. I shook my head with a twitch and felt pain, lots of pain. My head was pounding like a primal drum and a sharp pain in my neck caused me to wince as I opened my eyes. It was bright. I tried to move as my eyes adjusted, but I couldn't. As my eyes came into focus, I could see that I was in a tent of some sort. Looking down, I could see sand. I was sitting in the sand with my hands bound behind my back. 
It took me a moment to process what had happened. The last thing I remember was being on our last leg of travel before Volkwaisten. Everything else after that was dark. But somehow, for some reason, I was bound, imprisoned in some backwater, primitive manner. I repositioned my body to look to my right. In the tent, next to me, was Jibs. As soon as I realized it was him, I reached out and, with my bound feet and gave him a stern nudge on his thigh. It was the only thing I could reach. Psst, Jibs, I whispered, trying not to alert anyone standing outside. He stirred and moaned and said an incorrigible string of words. Jibs, snap out of it for Mara's sake, I said. What? What? He muttered. What the hell? Jibs said as he realized the situation. Shh, keep it down, I replied. I can hear voices outside the tent. Whoever did this is close. Are you hurt, brother? Nah, just my neck and maybe my skeevan pride, but that's it, he mentioned wryly. I could tell he was pissed off. Before we could say anything else, a pale-skinned elf burst through the tent's canvas door and peered at us both. He was clad in a set of drab gray and silver medium armor that was rather beaten up. A single sword hung to his side. He glared at us silently for a few seconds and didn't say a word, but it seemed like an eternity. His eyes were a pale shade of off-white, and I couldn't see any pupils at all. I stared back with disgust. Before I could utter a word, he turned and exited the tent in a huff. I could hear him report to someone outside. They're awake. Very well then, another voice replied. I turned to Jibs and whispered, Sea elves? That's my guess, Jibs nodded. Marmor pirates, sea vipers most likely. What in oblivion are they doing here? I questioned. Aren't they a little far from home? I thought they only messed with Somerset. I've heard talk of them this far east. Just never thought I'd see one. Once the war started, they started landing on the shores all over Tamriel, Jibs offered. Just then, the tent's flap opened again, and two sizable sea elves marched in with purpose. I was first. The sea elves grabbed me by the ropes, the ones that bound me behind my back, and drugged me through the sand out into the sunlight just outside the tent. They dropped me with a thud. Then they returned to the tent and retrieved Jibs. Same drill. They drug him to my side, flopped him down like a sack of rice. As my eyes adjusted to the bright sunlight, I got a better view of where we were. It looked as if we were still in Malabal Tor, to the shore somewhere, in a huge bay. I could see the mast of a ship cresting over the top of a small island about a stone's throw away from where we lay. There were supply crates strewn about the beach, with smaller rowing-type boats up and down the waterline. This was definitely where the Armada had landed ashore from wherever they came. Another thing that caught my eye, draped on the canvas door flap of every tent on the beach, was a banner adorned with a sea serpent. Yep, these were definitely sea vipers. A group of about ten Marmor surrounded us. All clad in the same worn leathers, some had swords, some axes and recurved bows, while others had staves strapped to their backs. They all appeared battle-worn and tired. 
Their exotic appearance was truly remarkable. It was as if the divines snatched the pigment from their skin and eyes, rendering them soulless. Assessing our situation, Jibs and I were truly screwed. Bound and surrounded, we had nowhere to go. And what with this lot, sir? Asked a rather gaunt-looking sea viper with a well-heeled scar across his forehead. They all looked to one particular viper, as if on cue. He stood tall and brawn, with windswept white hair and heavy armor. If I had to guess, he was in command of this motley band of sea marauders. Did they have anything of worth on them? Gems, weapons, pack animals, he said with authority. Not much, sir. A few rations and travel supplies on two guar. Two worn staves. Doesn't look like it would fetch much, said this gaunt sea viper lackey. Hmm, said the commander. Who are you, wretch? He directed toward Jibs. Me? Us? Uh, we're, we're nobody. We're just merchants traveling from one stop to another, Jibs said in a frightened tone, which I knew was a ruse. Ah, I see. And just merchants usually travel the game trails with staves and arcane potions? Something tells me you're acting a fool, the commander inquisitively replied. Without so much as a warning, the burly sea viper commander planted the heel of his boot into Jib's chest with a crushing thud. <laughs> Jib's recoiled with a guffaw and fell over in a fetal position, his hands still tightly bound behind him. Hey, you pale-faced mother's mistake. Why don't you untie me and we'll see how you fare fighting man to man, I spouted without thinking. I was plainly angered by his cowardly attack on my best friend. Oh, he retorted. We have ourselves a dastardly hero here, do we? What makes you think I'd give you a chance at gaining the upper hand on me? Do you think I got into this position by playing the village idiot? I remained silent as I stared murderous daggers into his wide eyes. I could hear Jibs breathing heavy next to me, most likely windless after the boots blow. The two of you reek of sorcery. You're oiding something, but lucky for you... I don't have the time nor the care to find out, the commander said, returning my glare. Stow their belongings in our hold. It's forfeit now. Kill and skin out their guar. We'll eat well tonight. And string them up on posts and prepare a pyre for both of them. We'll need a hot fire to cook our supper. Without saying a word, I processed what this pale elf had just ordered his crew to accomplish. Our guar were to be killed and eaten, Jibs and I were going to be burned at the stake. I turned to Jibs, still writhing on his side in obvious pain. Before I could say a word to him, I was being dragged by the ropes that bound me once again. I saw a second sea viper grab onto Jibs and pull him across the sand in the same direction. We were left under a tree for what seemed like an eternity while we could hear the construction of our death posts nearby. But that wasn't the most unsettling sound. In the distance, I could hear the growls and grunts of what appeared to be our guar. They were being disturbed, and I couldn't tell if they were being harmed or if someone they didn't know was messing with the gear that was tethered upon them. Knowing what the sea vipers had in store for them made these tense moments all the more agonizing for us. Jibs was doing better. He might have had a broken rib or two, but time would tell. He was able to sit up and we tried to converse quietly, attempting to devise a plan to avoid our own deaths. However, 
We were bound so tight, it was doubtful we'd ever be able to loosen ourselves enough to get even a hand free. Besides, there was a pair of guards close, and every time they heard us whispering, they'd command us to be silent. Night closed in, and we were no further along with an escape plan. We certainly hadn't given up, but we just didn't have any viable options. We'd both needed at least one free hand to attempt any spell. I know we'd both trained on one-handed casting, and we were pretty fair at it, to say the least, but summoning the arcane with one hand gave you about half the effectiveness of both hands, I guess that would go without saying. As the sun dipped down before the horizon, the sound of voices approaching drowned out our solidarity. We were dragged to a flat portion of the beach, close to the waterline. Inset into the sand were two heavy pieces of timber with lashings secured to the top. At the base of each post was a rough wooden frame with a large mound of scrap wood. The hastily built makeshift pyres looked as if they would burn pretty readily and it really soured my stomach. As soon as we saw the contraptions, Jibs and I began to fight like cornered beasts. We thrashed about as best we could while being bound at the hands and feet. The more we fought, the more sea vipers got involved. We were certainly making it difficult for the pale Maumer to complete their task of lashing us to the erected death posts until I felt a sting in the back of my neck. The fight in me instantly faded. My body went nearly flaccid and I could not control my muscle tone. Heaving and out of breath from the exhaustion of the fight, I hoisted up my hands and waist. They were tethered and strapped to the post. There I hung, helpless. I glanced over to find Jibs in a similar predicament. We hung there, without any options, without any strength. We had no chance. With our eyes heavy and our wills broken, we waited. My eyes were blurry when they opened to the voice of the Sea Viper's commander. He sauntered up like a disgraced noble and got right in my face. Oh, what happened, wretch? Did you get froggy with my vipers? Looks like we've had to paralyze you both then, eh? Well, you'll be happy to know you'll still be able to feel everything. He scathed. A crowd had formed. There must have been at least 20 to 30 sea vipers standing in a semicircle around the pyres. Everything was happening in slow motion. The campfire cast bright shadows across the faces of the Maurimer as we looked upon them. I tried to catch eyes with as many as I could, hoping to find a sign of pity in just one, but there was none. They were resigned to staring back with blank resolve, as if they had all approved of senseless murder. What had we done? Nothing. The answer was nothing. We were merely victims of circumstance, and we were in the wrong place at the wrong time with our guard down. I looked to Jibs, and he was staring back at me. All of our work, the time we've spent as comrades, in times of joy, peril, discovery, and elation, the friendship we built, the passion for life we shared, would all be gone in moments. I could see two sea vipers with lit torches, one in front of me, the other in front of Jibs. They held fast as if waiting for the order. Would you like to say anything before you die, wretch? The commander spat, standing danger close to Jib's face. Any last words of wisdom or venom? He mused. Jib stared at him for a moment and narrowed his eyes with defiance and resolve. 
The lump in his throat must not have been a lump at all, because he let loose with a sizable ball of spit that landed directly in the commander's face. I couldn't help but burst out with a satisfying laugh. <laughs> nice one, I said to Jibs. The commander took a step back, clearly enraged at the unsanitary assault. He reared up and backhanded Jibs across the mouth with a crack. Jibs took the blow like a seasoned champion, dropped his head, then raised it again, his lip split and bleeding. I witnessed him envelop his split lip with his lower lip, cleaning the blood. He then looked at the commander again and spat in his direction, but this time missing. Burn them down, the commander demanded as the two torch-bearing sea elves stepped forward. Jibs, I said, ignoring the threat. Yep, he answered. It's been an adventure, my friend, and I'd do it all again with you, I said somberly. Jibs turned his head, looked me dead in the eye, and quietly replied, Same, brother. Same. As the torches closed in our respective pyres, time slowed to a crawl. This really was to be the end for us. We'd lived, though. Our adventures, our laughs, our risks, our friendship. We had truly lived. Our eyes focused on the approaching torches when a familiar sound pierced the air. A stir of surprise sounded through the crowd of sea vipers. The approaching torches stopped approaching. I glanced up to the torchbearer nearest me, and what I witnessed gave me a start. His left eye socket was adorned with the shaft of an arrow. The arrow had penetrated so deep into his skull, the fletching was touching his eyelids, and the arrowhead and shaft had found the air on the other side. Blood shot like a fountain out of the hole at the back of his skull. He dropped like a sack of rocks to the sand below, still holding the burning torch in his hand. Jib's executioner found the same fate, his arrow piercing his right eye with the same devastating effect. Confused as to what happened, the band of sea vipers looked on in horror. Then, all hell broke loose. <laughs>